Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. We, we were reaching that point in the summer summer, where apparently where it's so hot that my brain is melting and I can't say summer correctly, but also where it's getting borderline dangerous for me to turn off my AC to do this podcast. Um, but my, you know, my melting cranial cavity aside, Pierce, you... Uh, you came to us with an idea this week, and it, it grabbed all of our attention right away. So in my house this evening, we are preparing a recipe that involves zucchini, which is a seasonally appropriate, a, a lovely – I want to say it's a vegetable, but you really don't know what is a vegetable anymore. I, I'm pretty sure zucchini is a vegetable. Um, I, I just don't know the rules because originally it comes from like like – Something was a vegetable if you ate it for supper. That's where the, the like some of the older USDA definitions came from. But in any case, so zucchini, wonderful vegetable, seasonal, go buy it at your farmer's market. Um, but it's a recipe that involves spaghetti. And there was a discussion at my house of, oh, Pierce, we know that, that you do not um, enjoy spaghetti. And I responded, it's not that I don't enjoy spaghetti, the, the pasta. It's that there is a scar tissue and a trauma from what I associate spaghetti with growing up. Like the weeknight quickly put together, which we should say, like the ability to quickly put together a a nutritious and filling meal for for kids is a great thing and a, a truly American thing, like the land of plenty. But that type of spaghetti and meat sauce, red sauce, whatever you want to call it, that causes a a certain trauma and scar tissue that I have been overcoming for years now in, in allowing spaghetti and weeknight pasta dinners back into my life. And it sounds like that is not a thing that is unique to me. It's really not. <laughs> um, I think we we've all <clears throat> we've all had a, a run in or a hundred uh, with you know, with your, your mom's spaghetti, your friend's mom's spaghetti, your grandmother's spaghetti. Um, and you know, like, like you said, like there are, there are kind of, uh, a thousand other priorities that your mom has when you're a, a kid besides, you know, uh, preparing a, a pasta dinner in the same way that a, a chef in Tuscany might, Mm-hmm. But as you grow up and become, you know, a more adventurous eater, you become, you know, the the person who is responsible for, uh, you know, making your own food, maybe preparing food for uh, one or two other people that are in your life. Uh, there are a couple of things that 
you sort of unlock for yourself when you don't have those thousand other priorities yet. And, and I think it comes down to three main things. One, you salt your pasta water m much more heavily than your mom did. Two, uh, you don't cook your pasta nearly as long. And three, uh, you don't necessarily, and this is not a universal thing, I think this is the least universal thing, but you don't necessarily uh, plate a pasta with a sauce by taking cooked pasta with nothing on it, putting it on a plate or in a bowl, and then spooning sauce over the top. You are, are probably more likely to finish it in the sauce. Um, I just made fusilliella vodka a couple days ago, and there there's nothing better than the alchemy that happens uh you know when when you actually finished you the last couple minutes of the pasta's cook time in the sauce so it starts to absorb some of it it's you know it's the it yeah. is the chef's kiss thing yeah. um and and i mean even on that I, I think that that is that is very much like the the preparation like kind of the some of the main components but Kevin, I know that also when I said this, that there's there's the sauce itself, which the, the pasta itself is, is a big thing and, and you you definitely learn how that can be different. But you know, just the worlds of difference if if this is something where someone is crafting it for you as opposed to um it, it is a necessary thing. Yeah, I think that you know what Sean's describing, or we're we're talking about this meal that's made out of out of convenience. Um and you know, the things that Sean's talking about doesn't actually in itself make it take longer. It's just there's a a lack of like awareness of I guess like what spaghetti or other related dishes might be. And then like even including, you know, the the final topping that we would get on our spaghetti, which was just the the refrigerated shaker parmesan cheese instead of just yeah. Getting you Ooh, know real parmesan cheese. Fancy. <laughs> well, the whole thing doesn't have to those, be. It was one of those refrigerate after opening things that <laughs> yeah. you actually. So, it, it you know it's it's not like it actually takes more. It doesn't take that much more time to grate parmesan cheese. It's just you have to like kind of be in that world. Right. That's also, the thing. You it have doesn't to have those things. It, do, it doesn't add time. It adds complexity. It adds yes. required attention, and when you're a parent like you all you have to always be paying at least some modicum of attention to what's going on with your kids and yeah. so you can't you can't necessarily spare that extra complexity even if you have the time and it's interesting you mentioned that because uh drew mcgarry a, a blogger and writer that some of us really appreciate he talked about like recently he wrote about how like you have those issues and then you realize, wow, my kid is being really weird. What's going on? And then you go to the doctor because this is this thing you can go to the doctor for. And they realize, well, your tongue, your your child is not using their tongue correctly to taste things. So there are so many impossible variables oh and you become an adult and you're like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll buy a thing. I'll buy a hunk of Parmesan and I will read the label of, of like the pasta very carefully. And it's just like, that's not what you're thinking about. But I mean- 
Max, you also came from it of like, this is something that we all kind of experienced and, and I think have some, you know, lived, lived experience through. And, and I think Kevin, you also called it, what did you call it? Corrective experiences? Yeah. Like a, a therapeutic corrective experience. Yeah. But, but I think too, like Max, there can be some of, of maybe like you don't experience it and, and maybe you have a set expectation that is then upended later on. Well, I wouldn't say I didn't experience it. I maybe not specific to pasta with my parents, but certainly friends, parents and others. But there are certain things where I did experience it. What what I'm thinking of very specifically actually is maybe not a meal, but an ingredient, which is sour cream. Oh. And I am not afraid to call out my parents on this podcast because I will. Uh, they, <laughs> along with a lot of America, got maybe maybe suckered, maybe not into thinking that fat was the evilest evil most, um most the thing is as you know as you should know by now sour cream is pretty much just fat yeah but i grew up with them purchasing fat free sour cream yep. i to this day i don't know what it is i do know that up until i went to chipotle for the first time at age 19 i thought that i hated sour cream and then I, tr- someone convinced oh me to God. try Chipotle sour cream, and I was like, "What? What is this substance? I need more of it." Oh shit! That's so I, wild. I guess that's sort of similar, but, dip, but like I had never had sour cream, and if anyone offered it to me, I was like, "No, I don't like sour cream," because I didn't know that what I was eating was totally something different. Well, no, that's I, I, I totally hear that, and that's like I, I think that's in a similar vein. It, 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 as in the spade example like the salting of the pasta water like there are there are all of these decisions that you know our our parents made for us in in the kitchen because they were working with the information that was available to them at the time and so that manifests itself in a couple of ways that may mean you ate frozen yogurt instead of ice cream if so i'm sorry Frozen yogurt uh, is not pork. Frozen yogurt. I'm so I, I'm so glad you said that, and I'm mad that you stole my thunder, because <laughs> the real the real one of these for me, the food that I had this built up scar tissue for, was pork tenderloin. Oh, and and it was, uh, you know. I have it built up in my brain as something that in the McGoey household we had every week for sure. And I, I there's no way that's the case. Um, but I, I, you know, until a few years ago, I'm 30 until a few years ago, I thought I hated pork tenderloin and then I, I kind of hit me. Oh no, our parents were just all terrified of trichinosis and didn't realize that there is a lot of real estate between the temperature at which pork will no longer kill you and the temperature that all of our mothers served pork to us at. Yeah, this so is Max resonating I, way too much. Yeah, Max I think I had pork tenderloin actually... like three times a week, the way I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I just know Max drown feels... in applesauce. But now I love it. Yeah. I don't think I've had it enough. I, I maybe I need to try it again. 
Well, Max, you and I have discussed the the pork thing on a number of occasions because I have become a big proponent of of making like very thick, large pork chops, uh, like Ooh. with with frequency. And the there there are two things. One, that point about cooking your meat. Um, the company, I think it's Thermoworks, which makes the Thermopin and some really great meat thermometers. Which stop right now, go get yourself a nice meat thermometer. No, don't do that. It, Absolutely don't do that. Do that after the podcast. Well, no, pause, and then you can – or do it on your phone. You can do it concurrently. Uh, Why are we we telling people to stop listening? Are they paying us for this? Because we want their lives to be better, and if you get a good meat thermometer, you can do that. And what they will also tell you there is that when it says cook it to whatever it is, 145, which I think is the pork temperature, the internal temperature, that is if you get an instant reading. If you put it in there and it is at, and I'm not saying you should do this. I am not saying you should do this. But if something is at 135, for example, for a certain period of time, that is the same effectiveness as just peaking at 145. And that's not something I do. I still try to get the 145. But especially for certain preparations, that's the thing you can do. That is why sous vides are so popular or that's why they do the things they do and can be weird textural experiences so so like there is more to this and i think it speaks to like we're getting older we are maybe more thoughtful about our ingredients we're trying to prepare enjoyable food as opposed to getting food on the table the other thing i think is more important with pork is that the pork lobby did the whole the other white meat thing pork is not white meat and that it goes back to the the no fat thing of like oh it's like chicken and you're all eating chicken breasts that are just bouncing rubber balls and it was all this marketing and like we could have been enjoying nice you know pork cuts and stuff like that but instead they were cooked like chicken breast and that's that's where it comes from you have this you learn more and you have these corrective experiences and i'm glad we're having them but I don't know what other things I am hesitant to have because I have this memory of, you know, three times a week of pork tenderloin slathered in applesauce and then bad sour cream. Well, I, the, so the other the other thing that that I was thinking of was uh, the the realization that I had at some point that hard shell tacos are bullshit. <laughs> I mean, ta- tacos, that's, that's... The, the type of tacos you had for dinner with the with the hard shell taco and the, the ground beef are a prime example. And I know someone who, who invited me over to their house for their favorite meal one time, and it was that. And this was not that long ago, and I was, I was probably 25 or so. I, I You know, what do you do in that situation? Because we have these strong memories. Well, yeah, I mean, ground in a lot of ways, ground just the use of ground beef as a whole like you, we could kind of shorthand half of this pod to like uh, the American reliance on ground beef. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where like a lot of things with, with all of these, you know, I've had the same experience and I think a lot of it came from the fact that like, Oh, we should be eating a lot of beef. And so we need a beef dish and we need to be quick. All right, let's get some ragu sauce and cook up some ground beef. You know, let's get the talk. Ta- let's get the taco seasoning, mix it with the ground beef and put it on the, the hard taco shell. Beef and, lobby, and, the bread lobby, and the sugar lobby really fucked us up, huh? Well, I'm yeah, glad the fat you lobby was not working hard enough. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that triumvirate because I was going to say to you, Kevin, 
one thing that involved ground beef that I felt like I was always excited for, but probably would, I mean, I would, I would like to try it now that we're discussing it, but you know, a sloppy Joe night, what is more magical than being like, we're having sloppy Joe's tonight? Because then you feel like, I don't know. I feel like as a kid, you, you're like, I've won. This is something that I am excited for. That is a mixture of sugar and buns and and ground beef with red like somehow it is red i feel like <laughs> it's ketchup you know, sl- i thought yeah, you were going with ketchup. hamburger helper there that's where i thought you were going but no i that is not something i've i've actually made uh there's a new york times cooking recipe for fancy hamburger helper which is amazing but like that's the type of uh bougie appropriation of things that are really for <laughs> for those who are you know maybe not in the best space um that that we we should really check ourselves on but yeah i mean hamburger helper is the same thing it's like it is fatty and cheesy often and and good um and it it feels like you've you've won as you get that whereas i probably wouldn't revisit that now in the same way of like can i make spaghetti better i'm not saying can i make sloppy joes better see i think that's my issue with the hard shell beef taco which i didn't necessarily grow up eating those but i don't i don't see those on the same level as spaghetti and meat sauce because when you're trying to improve the spaghetti and meat sauce you're not changing what the meal is but i feel like the alternative to the hard shell ground beef taco is a different meal Mm. Mm. it's like it's like saying taco bell isn't mexican food like it's not but there's still a place for it sometimes like it, it could still be good but i don't know that there is a place for like overcooked spaghetti with with canned overly sugared pasta sauce (laughs) except at these same tables that we've been describing and like you know i i i'm sure to the point that we've made it's like yeah you probably can make this this quote-unquote better but like how are we describing better it's maybe not faster if it's higher quality that means it's necessarily going to be expensive and as opposed to us or like us and one other person, if you've got two additional people, three additional people, I, d- I don't know, then it it's really a different calculus. And that's maybe one that we are we are respecting, but maybe not fully understanding. And there's also when you're talking about the there's also the, the, the audience, which obviously we were children. You talked about not liking spaghetti and, and, and red sauce as a kid, um, but kids obviously taste sugar differently. Foods need to be higher in sugar for kids to enjoy them and vegetables are extra bitter to them so they don't like yeah so like having a pasta sauce that's super sweet probably liked more as a kid than now yeah there's an audience factor as well right like who are you feeding here right that's that's the thing like these uh, these things are not going away like they're they're cyclical like when uh, there's a really good chance that when when any of us have kids one day like this will be the kind of meal that we will prepare for them. We may do a better job cooking the pork because we understand pork cooking yeah. temperature better now, but like, you know, the, and the we might concerns... go for the fresh Parmesan cheese, you know? Yeah. But like the concerns about complexity and time and what kind of attention you can pay, like those are not inherent to any time period. They're not inherent to cooking there's they're inherent to having kids and so like we you know we talked about this when we were Pierce when you and I were talking about stranger things like so many of the things about you know 
being kids and and like are universal across time periods and like this i think this is the same like this is just a different way to look at that yeah and i wonder with that i think of you know think about when you you first had a beer and it probably wasn't a flavor or a taste that you particularly liked um and you know it was maybe it was like a keystone light or something like that and I'll go drink like a regular Budweiser now and I think it tastes fine. I'll, I will I will enjoy it. Um, I don't know that I feel the same about a pizza pizza, but there's a, a part of it that is appealing in some way. But I this does make me wonder what we're talking about and like kind of growing growing away our taste changing our, our maybe uh, appeal for for fussy ingredients. I kind of wonder if all of these companies know that. And so like the reason Miller Lite doesn't taste good to everybody or taste sweet to some people is because they have consciously tweaked the recipe so that it is um, appealing to uh, younger audiences. Same thing with Pizza Hut. It's like, who is who is that pizza for? It's for these dinner tables that we're discussing. And I kind of think if you're if you're getting takeout pizza anyways, you know, you don't want your kid being like, I don't like, you know, pizza from the fancy place. I like the one that tastes sweet and doesn't have bitter vegetables, as Kevin mentioned. Are you saying that Miller Lite is adjusting its formula to better meet the taste bud needs of children? I'm 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 just asking questions. <laughs> I'm just asking questions. I swear there was a time where Rolling Rock, I had a Rolling Rock and it was okay. But then I had it again, and subsequently I felt this way. I'm like, why is this really gross and so sweet? <laughs> and maybe they changed their their audience. No, it's because you you weren't in college anymore the second time. No, this it. this happened in college. Both of these experiences, because I really haven't had it since. Then it you were then okay. Then the second one, you weren't already drunk. <laughs> that yeah. that's that's you know, I I do think there is the with like the the sauce i think when you get the big brands like ragu or whatever they probably was good at some point they it isn't anymore and but people who kind of get into the mode of life where they stop trying out new things they still go for that same brand and i don't know i think that that's i think that that's definitely part of it and yeah and to the point of the for the the children when i go over to a sibling's house and they're making a meal it's kind of the stuff that i grew up with even though i know that they didn't make that stuff before they had kids because the kids don't like it and they throw away half of it and you know you don't want to pay for a nice expensive stuff if the kids are gonna throw half of it away anyway (laughs) yeah Uh, i guess like as we as we wrap up i I do just want to say on the record that none of this was intended to denigrate the cooking of our parents especially my mom my mom is a really good cook and i just I, I feel it's important to say that because she has from time to time in the past listened to this. And mm. if I were to not provide that caveat, it would be just my luck from the universe that this would be one that she would listen to and I would get a phone call about it. So, uh, th- you know, this is, this is a podcast, not about anyone's mom being a bad cook. This is about, uh, a- an acknowledgement that, that you were all just you were being parents so or or yeah or yeah, parent you. in general not to yeah. not to put all the weight on of course on one heteronormative thing 
Yeah. Um, I was so a picky eater, so you know, it's any, anything's my fault. I didn't eat you anything, demon. and yeah, that's, I was, Kevin, I you're was, right. This is this is like, our fault. Like, which is which is hard to think of. Like I'm the least picky eater I know now, but back then I didn't eat anything, and my mom had four kids to take care of, and she both my parents were one of four, so you know, it's just that's how things go. They gotta gotta get food on the yeah. table. It's hard with four people, so. Thanks for, uh, I don't know. Thanks for feeding me. Yep. Um, and and thanks to to Pierce's mom for for giving us our, our friend who brings us good ideas and even more importantly, uh, brings us an apology every week. It's time for Pierce's sorry. So, one thing that has been mostly good about the more modern stadia um you know basketball football uh baseball and and specific i'm thinking here specifically of the uh experience at the the atlanta baseball team's new stadium um you can do so much from from your phone and you just scan something and not only do you know where your seat is do they know where your seat is but you also may have outed value on there uh, i went to a game it was like a work thing and so you got a ticket and you got an added added value thing like a, basically a voucher now the issue i found with this is that there's not a good way to keep track of that except on the point of sale system and then you go and in the same fashion as the mcflurry machine is always broken some places just don't really want to deal with the added value thing unless it's like you're a season ticket so I, I, you know, went around and, and dealt with those frustrations of the game. But at some point, you come to the end of the added value. And this is where the apology is. Because all of this is kind of in a black box, um, I was at a game, and I thought I was coming to the end of it, and, and I got, you know, like some type of nacho thing and a drink or whatever. And it, it cost whatever it cost, which was probably an exorbitant amount of money. And I, you know, reflexively, I'm like, oh, there's an option to tip. And these people are working with people who are going to an Atlanta baseball game. So a, a lot of people who are, are not very kind and are, you know, you know, yelling at them and being like, why are you so slow with your, your cheese ladling and stuff like that? So I'm going to tip this person. Well... I know I set up to blame the technology, but it is ultimately my fault that when I hit 20%, I was tipping on the difference between that added value running out and, and the remnants. So I think I ended up giving like a 50 cent tip on a $25 order because it was 20% of the value that I was paying. And so uh, that's on me to, to be more cognizant and I also look forward to this stuff just getting a little bit uh, less black boxy. All of these, yeah, all of these tipping, all of the square tipping solutions are, are dumb. They need to give you extra functionality where you can tip, not just the percentage of tip, but you tell them what to tip on. I would yeah. like the ability to not tip on sales tax, please and thank you. We could also just 
pay you know workers in in low wage positions uh, yeah maybe. yeah but we're, we're not going to get that because the universe is terrible and so I, i'm i'm just i understood yes that is what i would prefer but i i'll i'll settle for uh, i'll settle for realistic wins oh, uh which means giving hard. ourselves over even further uh to the technocracy uh, okay well, now that that's gotten real dark, uh, let's let's try to pull this back with a, a big idea from pop culture. We're gonna play a little uh, word association game. I want each of you to give me the first word that comes to mind, first word or you know short phrase that comes to mind when I give you the scenario. Uh, we're at some sort of event, some sort of party where there's a dj uh so presumably it's nighttime and who has strode up to the stage and grabbed a live microphone but charles barkley oh i saw this i have to be removed from this situation well you can no uh, you just get give me give me what would be your normal word association with this comedy uh, okay the word association with the scenario? Yes. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't I like oh man, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. <laughs> probably, probably popcorn as in get your popcorn ready. Yes, DJ. Ooh. That would be interesting. So here here's what happened. Mm -hmm. Uh Barkley got up on stage at at this event, grabbed a mic, and he said the following. If you are gay or transgender, I love you. And if anybody gives you shit, you tell them Charles says, fuck you. And I'd just like to say, you know what? I think we're adopting that as as the stated position of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Uh, yeah. You know, if anybody gives you shit about it, you tell them Charles Barkley said, fuck you. Uh, Where did right. this happen? <laughs> that, I, come on. You're, you're asking me for more than I'm capable of giving. This is a video I saw on Twitter. Uh, okay, fine. That's awesome. <laughs> it was posted by the account Ball is Life. Ball is Life. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we will do a Rolling Stone rock trivia question to close the show as we so often do. Um, and I, honestly, because we're, we're uh, waiting for uh, Pierce to solve some connection issues I'll, I'll i'll filibuster uh by giving the two of you uh including max now our our new trivia leader as of a week or two ago i, I think we're we're recording this one a week in advance i know first time all year i'm as shocked as you are uh the the choice of a question about cbgb the classic uh new york concert venue Classic crossword puzzle answer. Very good crossword answer. Or uh, Kanye West. I guess Kanye. Okay. Uh, in that case, uh, which of the following is an actual item purchased by Kanye West? Was it A, a uh, $180,000 watch? with eight carats worth of diamonds arranged in the shape of his own face? Uh, was it B, 
a controlling interest in an Italian football team? Was it C, uh, a hip hop Mount Rushmore in which his face, Jay-Z's face, the Notorious B.I.G.'s face and Eminem's face were carved into the side of a cliff near Las Vegas? Or was it D, a pair of $70,000 slippers that he only wore once? So was this a, uh, which one did he or which, which one, one didn't did he? he buy? There's only one correct answer. Oh, there's uh, only one correct answer. Uh, I think it's A. Um... I'll go with the um, the Mount Rushmore. Why not? Um, the gonna... the football team is which one, Max? Uh, I'll say D. The slippers. That's a silly answer, but yeah. Okay. They're all silly. Man dropped nearly 200 grand on a watch with diamonds in the shape of his face. Pierce, you yes. are correct. Yes. Uh, I was, See, I was my thought when you say... said that is that that's not expensive enough, but I guess this was, you know, 15 years ago, probably. So pre-diamond inflation. <laughs> I just, I do, I do also want to point out the, the like weird career turns of these two people we've mentioned in succession, like, Charles Barkley, if I saw him going up and taking a microphone now, I'd be like, you know, un, un, unannounced. I'd be like, oh, okay, this, th- I'm, I'm looking forward to this because he, he seems like a cool and mostly thoughtful guy, except for analytics. Whereas Kanye, if unannounced, he walks up to the microphone. I'm like, oh no, cut I am mic. leaving. <laughs> yeah, cut the microphone. Ha. I'm leaving this event. Yeah. Well, I, I knew it wasn't the Mount Rushmore because he's so self-absorbed that there's no way he'd ever purchase money for other people's faces, <laughs> especially <laughs> theoretical competitors of his. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I just, I knew it wasn't B or D because those weren't crazy enough. So yeah, I figured I'd go for it. Wow. I don't know. I feel like it would be a pretty wild story if you just like woke up tomorrow and Kanye West owned like 27% of Lazio. Well, no, it was a controlling interest. If he owned like 70% of Lazio mm-hmm. or Juventus, just like, I, I don't know. That seems like a, a suitably batshit answer for Kanye to me. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, he spent a gigantic amount of money, multiple, multiple years of income for, for me. Uh, on on a watch with eight carats of diamonds arranged in the shape of his own face. Uh, okay. Well, now that now that we've uh, we've dealt with that, we, we've come to the end of, of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com or on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. Here's Max. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. How you gonna turn the screws on, man?